welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. The Milky's Softies nursing pads are three pairs of soft, absorbent, and reusable nursing pads to protect against leaks. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fairhaven Health. That's what I already said. <laughs> I already said Fairhaven Health. It's, it is also brought to you by Original Sprout. And the Bundle of Joy is the newest addition to their family of vegan products. Products, And we're going to hear more about them later. But... uh you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and you can check out our sponsor page if you need anything. See if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you are there, you can scroll down and enter your email address and we will send these episodes straight to your inbox every week. And uh, now Diane has our review of the week. My God, you guys, we had one week off. We don't know how to do, we don't know what we're doing I, anymore. That's day one, first day, first day of the job. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God, we had one week off. We don't know what the hell we're doing. <sighs> okay, so I do have a review for us today. And this comes from, I don't know if she wants me to say her name, so I won't say her name. But she said, there are not enough words in the English language to convey the impact this podcast has had on my breastfeeding journey. I did not find you both until I had just given birth. But thankfully, I had an angel of a nurse who started my breastfeeding journey off right by putting my baby girl on my breast within minutes of delivery and helping to trigger her suck reflex. I am beyond blessed that breastfeeding has been pretty smooth since then, and I'm going on nine months strong. A large part of my success is also due to your podcast, which has encouraged, educated, and inspired me to breastfeed in a way that is best for my baby and me, regardless of what others are doing or what they are telling me to do. I have unwavering confidence in my decision to exclusively breastfeed, and I don't feel the need to explain myself to anyone. I went back to work at six months, and the podcast helped me so much with that transition to pumping when I needed to. My biggest takeaway from the hours I have listened is that my baby will tell me what she needs. I just need to pay attention. Sometimes that means putting her to the breast every five minutes for eating or comfort or sleeping, but that's okay. Other times it means she may not want to be on the breast for what feels like too long to me, but that's okay too. I'm trusting her and going with it. And this strategy has not failed me yet. My baby girl is healthy and growing like crazy. I'm not sure how long my breastfeeding journey will last, but I trust my little one to help me make that decision. Thank you both for all you do. I don't even want to imagine what my breastfeeding experience would have been like without your wisdom, research, and humor. Keep on being awesome advocates for women and children. God knows we need all the advocacy we can get, especially in this country. Oh, what a great segue. Uh, that's exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that is one of the reasons why you have I a chose plan this. with this, don't you? I, always. Sometimes always my brain works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are going to talk today about current events of things that are going on and some kind of, I guess, what's the right word? Like messages behind uh, behind it maybe, or um, just, I don't know, maybe there's just a lot of frustration. I don't know. We're going to talk about some current events and we're going to talk about, um, we're going to break them down a little bit, I think, right? Is that how we're going to? Yeah, we're going to break them down and we're going to talk about policies and how policies are currently happening and well we can just talk about it we don't have to say what we're going to talk about we can just start talking <laughs> but thank you to the nameless person who sent the uh review yes thank you so much and you can send us reviews you can send us um 
you know, whatever you want to. Sometimes people will send us in like review and question, which is kind of fun because then we put those up too and we can talk about what that question is. And, you know, if you can put it on iTunes, that's super helpful for the podcast. So thank you so much. And, you know, we, we get them all and we read them all and we just appreciate you so much. So thank you. And Yeah. And what's so the, the kind of um, motivation behind this episode is all of the stuff going on lately which is just insane that all of this stuff is happening all at the same time and i have a like a a meme you know which i think everybody has seen a meme similar to this somewhere everyone's sort of posting their frustrations in this way but this person says while the supreme court overturned roe versus wade the GOP senators silently blocked, blocked the Pump Act, a bill that would have expanded pumping rights to 9 million mothers because it was too burdensome on businesses. During a formula shortage, this week the AAP tells women to nurse for two years. I, it feels like we're living in, like, on candid camera. <laughs> <sighs> you know? It's yeah. like, we don't, there's no support for breastfeeding. We're in a formula shortage. Oh, by the way, you're going to be forced to have babies too. Um, and you can't pump. What? Yeah. So this is, I think, how everybody's feeling. is like, what? And, you know, I've been, I've been in this world for, I don't know, 15 years, I think. And at least... And I know you've been around for almost 10, well, 10, 10 mm-hmm. right now, because Jack's yeah. 10 now. So I don't remember there ever being this much breastfeeding stuff in the news all at no. the same time. Yeah, it's true. Well, yeah, we never had a formula shortage like this, oh, which yeah. really brings, which really brings, you know, breastfeeding to the forefront. And I, and, you know, when I first started 10 years ago, the the big thing was like nursing in public. You know, people just seeing oh, yeah. breastfeeding. People were like, I want to breastfeed. And people were like, you need to cover that up. And there was like a lot of that stuff. And then the social media thing too. Yeah. was really big. Back then we were really pushing, you know, people were posting breastfeeding photos and they were getting taken down because they were pornographic. And that <laughs> still happens, but it does, it does. happen less because they're, you know, Facebook and were really, was really forced to address the issue. And they did. And um, you know, like I said, it still happens, but, but yeah, but so now there's all of these kind of like big kind of like, you know, federal level things happening. So one thing I want to say about the AP and if, you know, if, if anybody isn't aware, because this just came out, like this just came out in the last couple of weeks. And, yeah. um, and so people are still like actively talking about it. The AP is, you know, so what, what it started with, and maybe, you know, I'm just going to put it out there because people m- might not know. Um, I don't yeah. know, especially if you're maybe listening and you're pregnant, because who would, why would you know what a breastfeeding regulation is if you're not no. having a baby? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it just, why would you even know about that? So what it used to be, the AAP, up until like a couple weeks ago, the AAP said that they encourage mothers to breastfeed, exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months. And then six months, around six months, you start solids, not four, even though that's what people say. <laughs> Six yeah. months. Even your doctor, start- who's regulated by the AAP, <laughs> it says it right in the policy. Six months, and then to continue on for a year or longer, if it's mutually acceptable between mother and baby. Now they have changed that to say two years. They recommend two years, and they 
one of the biggest things with that is that they're saying, if you want to breastfeed to two years, nobody could say anything to you about it. Nobody should be saying anything. We should be supporting it. We shouldn't be going, oh my God, you're still breastfeeding? But yeah, your baby can talk and has teeth. Why, why right. would you be doing that? And your doctor shouldn't be saying like, oh yeah, it's six months. There's no more nutrients in there. It's just water. Right. Like so, this is the reason we have these recommendations because there's science to suggest that this is beneficial and that the people that work for the AAP should be spreading this information and educating their patients. So it's not like it's a huge change. Not a huge change. It's so. not huge. And the World Health Organization, and they're trying to, I think what, from what I read too, it's, they're trying to kind of get them a little bit more in line with the World Health Organization, which has always said, I agree, yeah. you know, longer. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so really we're just trying to like kind of keep things a little bit more, you know, straight laced, but I kind of took it as they're trying to encourage pediatricians. And that was one of the things that they really put in there was pediatricians really are need to be on board with being supportive of this, of families and of parents. And you're, you know, they are the, they are the trailblazers for this because they are the ones that are seeing the, the parents and the babies the most. So that is one of the focuses behind this is like, okay, this, this is where we want everybody to be. The ironic thing is when they put this out, that really was not good timing. That was really AAP. bad timing. <laughs> yeah. Like that, it's not that the policy is bad. Like it's yeah. like great. But and I kind of look at it as like people are like, oh, the AP changed. It's like nobody listened to them the first time. So, you know, right. it's not like it's this huge change in our, you know, in, in anything. It really and isn't. It, no. It's good that they put it out there, but the timing is really bad. It's really bad timing. Yeah, I mean, and basically, the the American Academy of Pediatrics shouldn't be saying something different from the World Health Organization, unless they can say there's some sort of reason, you know, that the whole well World Health Organization is wrong. But we right. all know that the World Health Organization is right, and you know that's based on you know what all of these world scientists believe are is helpful. And the, it's always been weird that the AAP was different. Yeah. And it should be the same and it should have changed. But I agree. It was not <laughs> like read the room, you know, like, mm, is this a good time? I don't know if this is a good time. Maybe we'll wait for a couple of months. Uh, yeah, it really was not. And I think everybody really recognized that it was not good timing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people are really playing off of. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I think that we, we're already in a situation where we are so completely unsupported in this even when it was one year mm -hmm. there's no i mean who makes it to one year if Not you're listening people. and you made it to one year you are in the minority because we have abysmal breastfeeding rates yeah. you know they people most people start out breastfeeding and then it drops off at capitalism yeah breastfeeding starts at birth and ends at capitalism <laughs> because you have to go back to work and, you know, then it's like, well, how am I supposed to even do this? And that's, and that's where the, uh, more where the frustration comes. It's like, oh, well, they're even extending the recommendations. We can't even make it three months. Right. But now we're supposed to make it two years instead of one year. And then it's they're like, even saying in their, in the policy, you know, that we should be supporting, you know, there should be better maternity leave. There should be pumping in the workplace. There should be on-site childcare. There should, you know, yes, there should be. There should be. 
just kind of reminds me, my husband always would talk about this. He worked with this one guy that would always be like, somebody ought to, you know, like somebody ought to do this. Somebody ought to. Somebody ought to change that. Yeah. So that's kind of what this reminds me of. It's like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know. Parents going back to work should have a better maternity leave so they can breastfeed longer. They should have better options to childcare. They should have access to pumping and in a safe environment and, you know, without feeling like they shouldn't be pumping. Somebody ought to do that. Yeah. Somebody ought to make that happen. (laughs) No. What we're going to do instead is we're going to, we are going to um, shoot down the pump act we're going to we're not going to do that. We're going to do the opposite of that. We're going to say no, we shouldn't do that. Yeah. And then we're also going to say all you people, you know, you can't have abortions anymore. You need to have your babies. Yeah, it's uh, uh, really crazy. Um, so a couple of things that I I don't know cuz I was reading, I was telling Abby, there was this um opinion thing like an op-ed that was written in the New York Times this week. And I Subscribed to the New York Times just to get this article so that we can so talk you're all going to hear about it. Yeah, so we're all going to talk. You have about to it. hear about it now because she's she's subscribed. <laughs> Not that it was no. It was plus, like, it's really good, right? I mean, it's uh, interesting. I mean, yes, it definitely is interesting. Um, I mean, they're talking about the you know the whole the whole thing. So I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to read part of it here. A generous reading of these new guidelines is that they're meant to reduce the stigma against breastfeeding past 12 months, which is a noble idea. Mothers should be supported by medical providers, workplaces, and their families and society at large in breastfeeding for as long as they want to. And the new policy statement notes that there aren't enough structural supports in place, such as paid parental leave, flexible work schedules, and on-site childcare that might help American families reach their goals. But releasing the new guidance mere days after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, when millions of Americans and women are alarmed about restrictions on their reproductive and physical autonomy was a move that struck many as clueless and even callous. And not only are we still experiencing a formula shortage, but the Pump Act legislation meant to give more women access to work to the workplace protections for lactation failed to pass in the Senate right before Roe toppled. Currently, 9 million women of childbearing age are left out of federal workplace lactation protections. Teachers, registered nurses, agricultural workers, and many others have no federal right to take work breaks to pump milk to feed their babies. The new AAP guidelines explicitly recommend universal workplace break time and private space, something that the Pediatrics Academy should know is out of reach for the foreseeable future. That is kind of what we're talking about right now. It's not like... Oh, this is a horrible guideline. It's like this is just really bad timing. Like Abby said, they well, should it's read also the room. like yeah, and I and I think again, like there's nothing wrong with saying people you know should be supported in breastfeeding. That's what we're saying too. But 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 what what we didn't mean was for you to change some wording in your policy. What we meant was <laughs> expand maternity leave. Yeah, pass that pump act. Pass. Oh, you know the other thing that was shot down was the um some relief packet. Oh yeah, for, the, the, the formula, the formula. shortage. Yep. To you know to get formula to people that need it and can't find it right now. Oh, they were like, no, nope, we're not passing that. Not passing uh, that either. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. It's so. It, it, yeah. There's so I have like something I'm I'm about to get into on this. So I'm wondering if we should do our our ad first. Talk right. about our sponsors first because there there is a part that of this um, New York times thing that, that goes into supplementation. And I definitely want to. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, so listen to our awesome sponsors first. We'll be right back. 
Go get yourselves a bundle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Original Sprout. Original Sprout carries that safe, effective, and pediatrician-tested shampoos, conditioners, styling, and body care products that Diane and I are always raving about. Original Sprout's newest addition to its family of vegan products is the Bundle of Joy. Uh, This is a woven basket full of Original Sprout products swaddled in a white hand towel and fastened with a big chrome safety pin. The Bundle of Joy makes the perfect baby shower gift bundle or just a great way to say congratulations to the expecting parent in your life or yourself with a retail value of over $135. It's being offered at the introductory price of $74.99. But... As a Badass Breastfeeder listener, you can take an additional 20% off this introductory price. Head to OriginalSprout.com and use code BADASS and get this bundle for $56.25. That's a total savings of $60, making it affordable to give the gift of clean and safety-tested personal care products to those you care about. You should check that out, too, because there's a ton of stuff in that basket. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Leaking can be a constant struggle that some parents deal with, especially in those early months. Leaking through your shirt is not another hassle you want to be dealing with. And those disposable nursing nursing pads add up in cost and garbage. The Milky's Softies nursing pads are designed to keep you dry and comfortable. These pads are three layers, a natural fiber layer against your skin that wicks moisture away and is soft enough to wear even with sore nipples. Then an inner ultra-absorbent layer, and finally a microbe leak-resistant layer on the outside. The Milky's Softies nursing pad is contoured to your body so that it doesn't leak or feel bulky in your bra. The box comes with three pairs of these reusable and machine-washable nursing pads. Check out Milky's Softies nursing pads at fairhavenhealth.com. That's F-A-I-R-H-A-V-E-N health.com. And use code BADASS for 15% off of your purchase. And all of our sponsors and the promo codes can be found at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com in our show notes under this episode. Our show notes will also include further information that we talk about, further information about things we talk about in this episode. And also at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you'll find our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane, which should be covered by insurance if we want to talk about some more shit. Agreed. <laughs> I'm yes, throw that in there. I agree with that. And that is put in here, like kind of like, you know, very quickly put in here yeah. about how things should be covered. Um, so one of the things here says the new guidelines suggest that in the first week after birth, pediatricians should discourage the use of non-medically indicated supplementation with commercial infant formula. The statement was more subtle, advising that pediatricians encourage support of practices that avoid non-medically indicated supplementation with commercial infant formula. The difference may seem like a minor point, supporting breastfeeding practices versus discouraging formula use, but it matters. Non-medically indicated is subjective, and the updated admontation concerns me. This is the person that's writing this, not me. I'm not concerned. (laughs) There are reports such as this one from The Atlantic and this one from CNN about mothers who have been pressured by lactation consultants, nurses, or pediatricians to reject formula in the early days of their children's lives. And as a result, their babies lost a dangerous amount of weight and in rare circumstances became gravely ill. Um... And then they're saying that... Evidence is mixed in the first place as to whether early formula supplementation adversely affects breastfeeding duration. So 
this kind of stuff, I maybe there are people out there who would discourage the use of formula for a baby that's not feeding well. I can't imagine who those people are because everybody wants the best for the baby. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's not that formula is not being pushed enough. Right. It's being over pushed, not under pushed. Medically indicated. So the, and we should maybe do uh, one of these days, maybe we should do an episode on what medically indicated is, because mm-hmm. that's what they say in the hospitals too, that babies need, you know, should be receiving formula only if it's medically indicated. And there are very specific medical indications for formula. Like they're, it's not like, oh, we just think you should have, like there's very specific things. So non-medically indicated would be if a pediatrician said, oh, you're tired? Go ahead and give some formula. Like that's a non-medically, like we we realize that tired is a thing. We realize that it sucks to get up every two hours and feed your baby. We know that. Mm-hmm. But the pediatrician should be saying, I know this is really hard. Maybe let's talk about pumping and giving a bottle of breast milk instead. Let's talk about how you can Where maybe the baby get, sleeps. Where the baby sleeps. Let's talk about getting more help in the home. Things like that. You know, that kind of stuff, not just saying, oh, well, then just give some formula instead. That's what they mean. That is what they mean by non-medically indicated. They don't mean, oh, your baby's not gaining any weight and not feeding well, and it really hurts to latch them. Too bad. Suck it up. That's not what they're saying. That is not. So that that kind of stuff really irritates me because they're putting this information out there that I feel like is pretty, that doesn't happen. The way they say it does. They're making it sound like every time you go to the pediatrician, they're holding you back from being able to supplement your baby. And that is not the truth at all. Even a little bit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think that it's so and this is what happens when you have these policies that are so unsupportive that are basically mainly all this stuff being, you know, shot down, all these, all these, you know, the, the bills being shot down and all that. Um, it's all like, you know, formula companies pay big money to have lobbyists in Washington helping to shoot these things down because they are protecting their bottom line. And this is what happens when you have this kind of market. You know, we have the World Health Organization has recommendations based of um, um, formula marketing. And you're not allowed to do this. In other countries, formula companies aren't allowed to just give tons of money to hospitals to put their product in there, to advertise the way they do. Um, we don't follow that at all. So formula companies are open and free to have, you know, lobbyists in Washington, you know, lobbying for their for the company. And, you know, ads on TV every two seconds, you know, they're just allowed to do whatever they want to do because we don't implement any of that. And so everything is so contradictory. And then the information, then you have all of these people kind of like, again, with these opinion pieces that are like, here's my opinion on this. Well, I don't know. That doesn't really reflect what's happening in, in large. I kind of almost feel like this whole policy is almost like an opinion too. Like it's it's just yeah. they're just like this is what we think you should do. 
and we're the AAP, so we can make a big deal out of it. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that would be great. But it, we're also making it really hard for parents. And the other yeah. thing that too that we were, you know, Abby and I were talking about beforehand. Sometimes Abby and I have these whole conversations before we hit record, and we really yeah. should just record from the start because that's <laughs> yeah. when the good conversations happen. But one of the things that we were saying is that when like this this kind of stuff comes out and it's like what are we what are we doing here like it's just i don't know it's just so frustrating the way that they're the way that this is coming about yeah and i think that like you know the the recommendation so let's start with Oh yeah, how that's am I the supposed recommendation. To feed? Yeah. Yeah, like how am I how am I supposed to feed my baby? Okay, well, you know, science tells us that breast milk is um, you know, optimal for your baby because, you know, it was designed for them. It's part of, you know, immunity and uh development of vital, you know, all this stuff that we already know. Okay, so this is basing we're basing this on science. We're basing this on, you know, what we know about what's going to be healthiest for a baby. And then that's where it stops being based on science, that it stops. Because the whole maternity leave thing is based on capitalism. The sleep recommendations are based on racism. Yeah, because AAP you know, puts out sleep recommendations too, same, and people don't follow that either. So I don't know why anybody feels like they need to follow Well, their sleep guideline. recommendations are don't sleep with the baby. Yeah. Okay, so, all, so you want me, so I'm supposed to exclusively breastfeed, but I'm supposed to have my baby somewhere else than my bed Although that would be the best thing for my milk supply and my sleep and for continuing this breastfeeding relationship. Yeah. And that's not based on science because we know no, that's not. Again, yeah. that's based on racism because the most the most of the babies that die in beds are black babies because babies because they, we don't care or put effort into educating this group of people about breastfeeding or safe, safe co-sleeping situations. Right. We're just like, I ah, don't do it. Because we are not going to put in the effort. Right. And so then you have this contradiction. Okay, so now I'm supposed to breastfeed for six months exclusively, up to two years, but don't sleep with a baby. Go back to work. Um, don't have an abortion if you need to. You don't, if you don't want to be a part of any of that bullshit, you still can't have an abortion. Um, you know, formula, you're not allowed to have it either. And these are all just like, this is a, this is a guideline. This is not like you have to do this, you know, and they're making it sound like, oh, everybody has to do that. Everybody has to follow these rules. Like how many times have people reached out to us and said, my pediatrician said I shouldn't be breastfeeding anymore because it's a year and the, there's no nutrition in the milk. Like how many times do we hear that? Yeah, yeah, a lot that of times every we, day. Right. Like we, this is just what they're saying that they think should happen. and. Honestly, I kind of feel like who is anybody to put out when how long anybody should breastfeed for? Like, why is that even? Yes, more is better. But why can't we just be like, sure, breastfeed your baby. That's the best thing you can do for them. End of the story. Like, why why do we have to say you should do it for this long, but you should do it for this long? You know, that makes it we're we're just putting these labels on it that don't need to be there. I mean, when did they even come out with that? When did they even start that thing? Well, you should breastfeed for this amount of time or your baby doesn't get any nutrients at all. You should breastfeed for this amount of time or your baby doesn't. I mean, I hear that a lot too. Oh, you know, I, my doctor said I should breastfeed for, for at least the first three days or at least the first six weeks or at least the first three months or at least the first six months. Like, why is there even a label on it? 
Just what I mean. I'll tell you why. Because we are mere women, Diane. There's no way we can possibly make a decision about our bodies. (sighs) There is government agencies for that to tell us what we need to do. We are not capable of making those types of decisions about our bodies. No, obviously not. One of the other things that they said in this thing, um, and I, I almost hate to even bring attention to this New York Times thing because I don't want people to like go and read it. But, um, <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of one of those things like this is awful. So let's blow it up, you know, like, it's, <laughs> right. You know. I know. Let Diane so, be the only one who paid for the prescri- prescription. prescription. Prescription for it. Yeah. So, but one of the things that they do bring up that I kind of have a love hate relationship with right now is that the, in the new guidelines, they don't discuss maternal mental health and it is not brought up. Um, it just says, Medical contraindications to breastfeeding are rare. It does say that in the new AAP guidelines. I'll I'll um, link the new AAP guidelines in the um, in the show notes. This New York Times article. I mean, I could link it, but if you don't have a subscription, you're not going to be able to see it anyway. So um, I don't know if I should even bother. But it does say medical contraindications to breastfeeding are rare. So she brings that up in this article, and then starts talking about maternal mental health. So. I kind of feel like she's saying maternal mental health is a contraindication of breastfeeding. I kind of feel like that's what she's saying here. Another issue with new guidelines is that they don't discuss maternal mental health, but include the statement medical contraindications to breastfeeding are rare. This, even though one in seven women can develop postpartum depression and some mothers experience a phenomenon called DMER, dysphoric milk ejection reflex. So, first of all, I think it's actually one in six, but. Neither one of those things are a contraindication to breastfeeding. And there is Mm -hmm. absolutely no, from what I understand, maybe there is. And if there is, then somebody please let me know because I haven't done the research in in a couple of years about this. But I am pretty sure that there is nothing, there is no solid research out there saying that breastfeeding causes postpartum mood disorders. I am pretty sure that's that. That that's not no, a society thing. does that. Society does, it. yeah, exactly. Society does that. We Based know on that, everything that we're talking about. We know that there's that there are issues with maternal mental health. We know that. We know that it's an issue. There's also an issue with trying to find help with that, and there's also issues between about returning to work. Like that is also part of it. We should not label that as a breastfeeding problem. But some people say, oh. Feeding was so difficult, it threw this person into a, into a, well, why, like, then make the help more, make the support and the help easier to access. That's what the problem is. When people can't pay for support, people can't pay for help, people can't pay to, you know, see a lactation consultant out of pocket. Yes, they're going to have problems. And yes, they're going to be thrown into this postpartum mood disorder issue because they are not able to feed their baby the way they want to. This isn't because like, oh my God, I have to breastfeed. So now I'm depressed. It's more of like, this is what I want to do for my baby and I'm having trouble doing it. And I'm sad about it. They're making it sound like, oh, that should be a contraindication to breastfeeding. No, we need support. We need help. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think that... (sighs) I mean, really, I feel like it all back comes down to all of this is being stopped and not put in place on purpose. 
It's not like, oh, we accidentally did this and accidentally did that. It's all on purpose. It's all so that formula companies continue to make money. That's why. And so that capitalism continues to work. We're not, we don't put this stuff in. It's, we're saying all of these things need to happen. And then, and then, oh, they don't, you know, we can't make it happen. But it's not because of some mystery. I mean, hospitals, we have the American Academy of Pediatrics saying you should breastfeed for six months and up to two years, whatever. But then we have the pediatricians that work for the American Academy of Pediatrics in hospitals where formula companies are giving money and placing their product. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> There's something about that, too. Um which I, yeah, so, and it says here, but the most glaring problem with the new policy statement may be its seeming disregard for the lived financial realities of so many families. In a technical report published alongside its new guidelines, the organization suggests that pediatricians should not give out free formula at their offices because it provides mixed messaging to families about the importance of exclusive breastfeeding. This runs counter to one recommendation cited during the formula shortage that parents should call their pediatricians. So, first of all, I don't think you're going to find too many pediatricians' offices who don't have formula. So, for this to say, oh, you know, they they shouldn't offer formula in their office, that's not going to happen. There's very few, like, I think I know of one practice, one one practice that doesn't have formula, and they have do not have it on purpose because they're a breastfeeding friendly practice. That's not the norm. Right, right. So for to even put this into this opinion piece saying like, oh, this is a f- financial problem because pediatricians shouldn't be handing out formula. They will get it from the formula companies for free and they will hand it out. That is mm-hmm. not something that I don't think anybody should fear is ever going to stop because the formula right. companies have everybody in their back pocket. Right, so. Right. That is something that is not going to go away. It's so what do uh, we do? So first of all, I think people should know. I did a prenatal not too long ago with somebody who was like, the AP guideline says two years. I have to breastfeed for two years. I mean, like, of course, when you're pregnant, like that sounds like <laughs> you're like what? freaking death sentence, right? <laughs> so it's like. I think everybody should realize, take this for what it is. All they're doing is just recognizing that breastfeeding is an important part of health for parents and families and babies, and it should be supported for longer term than it is. That's really all that this is saying. They're not saying, if you don't breastfeed for two years, we're going to come take your kid away. That is not what anybody's saying to you. Right. And And know that you are completely set up to fail. You, they, you are completely from day one set up to fail at meeting that recommendation. And then it's not you. Right. It is our system. And so I, I have mean, two suggestions on what we should do. Okay. My first suggestion is that we burn it all to the fucking ground. Yeah. I was just saying like the dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. And since I don't know if that's going to happen in the meantime, we need to stop voting for these people that are blocking mm-hmm. all these things that regulate these big corporations. These big corporations need to be regulated. And 
we need to have all these policies passed. Yeah. And that comes down to who is sitting there yaying and neighing. I mean, we have people that are that are suggesting these po- like we have somebody that you know are more multiple people obviously that were supporting this pump act, right? Like there had to have been a good amount of people to support the pump act if it got as far as it did. So, yeah. We know that people want to support this. We know that there's people out there that want to change how things are are going. But they yeah. just don't have enough they just the majority don't have enough. of people do. The, what, the yeah. people who are sitting in office right now do not represent the majority of Americans. Right. And that's a fact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Vote. I or mean, that is, yeah. burn it all to the fucking ground because I support that too. Yeah. <laughs> so either one of those things, we're, we're good <laughs> with. Ultimately, what has to happen yeah. to make any of this actually change. It is just a very, it is just like, Just the fact that this all came out at the same time just shows how out of touch we are with everything. Right. It does highlight every all of the problems. And I don't I actually don't think that's bad. I don't think it's bad to highlight how, you know, just how um, for lack of a classier word, fucked up it all is. mm -hmm. You know, we saw this with the pandemic. We saw it with Hurricane Katrina. We saw, you know, we see these things happen and then we see like, oh, my God, this country is really like, you know, racist, misogynistic. You know, the, there's, you know, it's run by the patriarchy. We see the capitalism. We see all of this. Um, but then, you know, it just goes back to normal. And there is no real change made. No. No. But I mean, anyway. It, yeah. We just got to like keep talking the talk, I guess. I don't, I yeah. don't even know. But we are behind like... Obviously, better support. I've been behind better maternity leave since I started in this field. And, we're, you know, what am I, where am I going? I don't have any kind of power for anything. So that's nobody's listening to me, wants my opinion. But um, that is something that, like, since I've been, since I've been working in this field, it has changed a little bit. It has gotten a little bit, like a small fraction better. But not good enough still. And these policies, like, you know, people can say whatever they want to with these policies, but they're not, they're not law. They're not like, they're not doing anything. You know, it's really, it's really not. But I do think it's important for everybody to know what they are, you know, because people do ask me all the time, well, what, how long should I breastfeed for? And I say, well, the AAP guidelines are blah, blah, blah. But you have to do what's right for your family. That's what it comes down to. You have to do what's right for your family. And we know that the support in this country is really lacking. Just really lacking. You know, I mean, we see that everywhere. And that is really unfortunate that they're like, oh, you should do this. But sorry, you don't have the support to do it. But do it anyway. Good luck to you. <laughs> it's just really it's just <laughs> So I swear to God, sometimes I just swear to God, I do feel like we're on candid camera. <laughs> it <sighs> is. I talked to somebody recently from Canada, and I know I was telling somebody else's story. I hope I didn't. Uh, well, if I already said it, I'm sorry. But I was talking to somebody recently from Canada who w- was telling me about their maternity leave because we know we have like this mystical idea of like Canada's maternity leave. 
And it is pretty amazing, though. And she said to me, she goes, I feel so bad. She goes, I think about it all the time about women in America and how difficult it must be for them. She was like, I just, I just can't even get, get around it. I just can't understand. She goes, do people just not want you to procreate? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like you would, I mean, they want you to so much. They're not even going to let you get an abortion. If you don't want a baby that you have mandated that you have to have your baby, but it's, you know, it's just, she's like, I just can't, you know, it's just really sad. It's like, yeah, I know. We know. But I do think it's important that people know the policies. And that's, you know, that is what the policy is. Um, So basically what I want people to take away from that is that if you choose to, if your breast, if you find that your breastfeeding relationship takes you past a year and into two years and beyond, just know that the AAP is supposed to be saying that you should be supported in that decision. Mm -hmm. Not that it's anybody's business. And you can call your doctor but, out on that too. You'd be like, yeah. well, that's not at all what the American Academy of Pediatrics is saying. So why are you saying that to me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doctor, dentist, um, anybody. Mm-hmm. should Anybody in the medical field. Sometimes somebody will say, oh, the nurse told me I shouldn't be breastfeeding still. Like nobody should say anything to you. That's really what I want everybody to take away from this is that you can do whatever you want to for your baby. And nobody can tell you differently. You're the boss. Yep, you're the boss. Yeah, so that's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.